Hey everybody, Dave Hagan. Today we're going to talk about catching fire again. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast. As always, we're coming to you from beautiful downtown Van Nuys. As always, with me today, Mr. Brian Reed. How's it going, Dave? I'm doing good. You? Hanging in there, hanging in there. You ready to catch fire again? I am on fire. (laughs) So last year we talked about the fire movement, and I think we talked about it maybe two episodes. And for those of you that didn't uh, listen to those podcasts, go back and listen. I know we did a couple of them, and I thought they were really interesting. In fact, uh, in one of the podcasts we were talking about a fellow who was what, 28 years old and had a million dollars in the bank. Um, So for those of you that didn't listen or you're not going to go back, I'll just fill you in. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And there's a whole group of people out there that are wanting to retire early. They're uh, denying themselves a lot of things or living extremely frugally during the first part of their life so that they can retire early. Early, And I was thinking about this concept again, just the last couple of weeks, I was looking around the website Business Insider, and they were talking about it and, and, and putting together some steps on how somebody might go about uh, pursuing this fire path. And it caused me to think that one of the things we didn't do last year uh, was talk specifically about how to go about doing it. What are the what are the steps, if you will? I think mm-hmm. you and I, Brian, were just so blown away that people were actually doing this uh, that we didn't talk about steps. Yeah, that's limit living on you know ramen by choice. <laughs> I guess you know. I mean, um, so I want to talk about some steps. You know, retiring early is really pretty easy you you just have to aim to have about 25 maybe 30 times your estimated annual expenses saved or invested and then to achieve that target number that 25 to 35 times you need to live below your means increase your income eliminate debt and and max out your retirement accounts i mean really that's that's it you know it's like easier said than done oh well i know i know it's like the financial (laughs) podcast it's, it's all about um, eliminate debt, uh, live on less than your income, save that, and be financially independent. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's, that's pretty simple when you, when you think get about down it. to it. Yeah. When you get down to it, that's, that's the, the basics. So um, what I want to do is spend some time talking about the steps that I think you need to go through um, to, to retire early, to pursue this, this FIRE path. And the number one thing that you need to do is you need to define early retirement. So for some people, it means being completely financially independent. And by that, I mean 
not doing anything and being able to live on the interest or growth um, off of your investments. For a lot of people, that's what retirement means. But maybe you have a different definition of retirement. Maybe you want to leave your nine to fiver and do something that's more creative or you want to do something that uh, where you're working for yourself or you just want to work part time or do something where you can make your own hours. Um, perhaps you want to focus on uh, hobbies or, or pursue things that maybe are not directed primarily or solely at producing income. Or maybe you want to work in spurts or maybe you want to travel in between those working spurts. But you need to think about what you want to define as retirement for you or to be financially independent. What does that look like at that stage of your life? And once you have a better idea what that early retirement phase looks like, well, then you can start to to plan for it. But I think it would differ from person to person. Um, I don't know. For me, I don't think sitting around and just living off of interest or or growth on investments would be a whole lot of fun. How about you, Brian? Oh, I don't think they're not doing anything with their time, mm-hmm. but you know, they're going to be contributing in some other way. So, I mean, again, there's a, you know, a lot that has to go into all of this and defining it early is, you know, one of the steps. Sure. Sure. I think thinking about it, defining it and really getting, getting honest and real with yourself. You know, it, it used to be retirement, which was at about 65 was when your, your body was so burned up that you really couldn't go into work. You really couldn't, you know, pick up the shovel or go into the mines or do whatever you needed to do. And retirement meant, all right, you can't do that anymore, and now you've got a few years before you pass to, to sit around and do what you want. I don't think that's the case in, at all anymore. I think that, well, first of all, 65 is nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people could do 65 standing on their head in a puddle of water. That's not that difficult. Uh, people are going to live a lot longer than that. And, and secondly, I think people that are looking at that phase of their life are saying, yeah, I don't want to just like go on cruises. I don't want to just sit around and watch Jeopardy. Um, that time of my life is where I can do something different, perhaps. Maybe something that doesn't pay as much. Maybe something that doesn't have a big cushy pension or an equity piece or something like that. I, mean, I, I don't think it, it's not about uh, never working. It's just not having to work. Having to work? Okay. Not having to work. Yeah. Okay. Although I suppose... Uh, what's that old saying? Love what you do and you never have to work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's a great lifestyle. I use my father-in-law as an example. Um, if he didn't have to get up and if he won the lottery and didn't have to get up and work, and I don't know that he needs to get up and work anymore, but if he won the lottery, what would he do? He'd get up and go to his shop. He'd get up and mm-hmm. go to work because he digs it. It's just like fun to him. So that that's kind of nice, kind of nice. So step number one, define what this retirement is era is going to look like in your life. Step two, you need to take inventory. First, you should calculate your net worth. And that's not too difficult. That's assets minus liabilities. I think you could sit down at at home with a piece of paper and just a few minutes, relatively few minutes, list out what you own and 
about what it's worth. It doesn't have to be precise. And then deduct from that the liabilities. That's going to give you your net worth. I think you need to know that if you're going to start putting together a fire plan. Secondly, you need to calculate or have some idea what your annual spending is, or my wife calls this the spend, but you need to know what it is. And you can get a guesstimate based upon your credit card statements or your checking account. Now here again, you've got to be real honest with yourself because if it's not based upon your, your checking account statements, you're going to miss some of the stuff that you spend money on, like the coffee, like the gifts, like the travel, that kind of stuff. But once you know that, and once you know your net worth, then you're in a position to move on to the third step, which would be to establish your target number. And remember that target number that you need to have is 25, maybe 30 times your expected annual expenses. What you've put together that's growing and you're gonna live on the growth or you are going to live on the income. And a lot of people will say, yeah, maybe it's also a good idea to have a year's worth of expenses in cash. But if you've got 25, certainly 30 in, in investments and it's yielding some, some income and that's enough to, uh, um, you know, to take care of your annual expenses, well, that's, that's your target. That's your, that's your target number. Fourth step, you got to live below your means to get to your target number. There's just no other way around it. You can't build substantial long-term wealth if you spend more than you earn. I guess in your unless you're the U.S. government, but but they can print money, so I guess it's different, right? Um, but that's about that's about as basic as it can get. And you know, like I said earlier, that's a tenant of the TFWP. Um, you know, you, we need to spend less than we make. But if you're going to be a fire person, you need to do it more aggressively. And I'm not talking about, you know, ramen. I'm not talking about living, <laughs> in, living in a shack, you know. Well, some of these people are. Yeah, I mean, some of these fire people are pretty crazy about this. Um, but I think that you can look at trimming the spend so that your target number is smaller so that it can be... a attained uh, sooner. So, I mean, this is kind of a mathematical calculation if you look at it, but there are very um, a few variables in this that you can move around to get where you, you know, where you want to be. You might choose to not buy that new car uh, when the, when the purchase is up or when it's wearing out, find a way to make that old dog slink around the streets a, a few years longer, or you might find that you enjoy uh, eating at home and, and making good food rather than eating in a, in a restaurant. I mean, there's all these different things that you can try to do, but you've got to develop a way to um, live below your means. I remember back when I was younger, I'd get a raise at work and I go, oh, wow, that means I can get that means I can get a bigger <laughs> car. I can we can go on that bigger trip. I mean, it was just an excuse to spend more. I mean, it was. In retrospect, it was kind of foolish, but um, that's one of the things that we're trying to do here at TFWP is get people, especially people younger on in their lives, to think about these long term. Um, number five, eliminate debt. And of course, that's that's obvious. You know, we spent many episodes in the first year of the TFWP talking about 
how to eliminate debt, different methods to eliminate debt. I mean, you really can't fire um, with debt. I mean, you just can't. Um, and if you have a mortgage, you might want to consider paying it off. I mean, eliminating consumer debt with high interest rates is a no-brainer, but um, you might want to think about eliminating that mortgage or paying it off sooner, certainly going to a 15-year loan so you pay less interest. Um, but that's, paying off the mortgage is more of a, a, personal, a personal choice. Some people like the peace of mind of being liability-free and it's worth it, where other people realize that they can save money in the term, in terms of um, an interest deduction on a primary residence and they really like minimizing the taxes. So um, it's a personal decision. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the mindset where I just like to see people eliminate all the debt so they don't have to worry about creating or including paying off a mortgage as part of the spend, but that's a personal decision. Number six, leverage your income. And I think that that means, you know, keeping the spend in check, um, but also finding ways to cut costs. You know, I think we've talked about in prior episodes, a dollar saved is worth two earned because then you don't have to pay the taxes on it. And da, 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 da. So that's something to think about. A dollar saved is is worth two earned. That's a way to leverage your income. But also, maybe, you know, maybe you do a side hustle for a while. We talk about um, Uber and Lyft and, and some of these other things. Maybe you augment your income a little bit. Or maybe uh, during tax season, you, you learn how to do tax returns and work for a company that, that does that. Or you, you do tax returns on the side, something like that. But a side hustle, some type of a side hustle to boost your income and get you closer to being um, ready to retire. Number seven, you want to maximize the retirement accounts. And we've, we've talked about this too, Brian. You know, oftentimes the best way to optimize uh, savings is through retirement accounts. And we've talked about employee-sponsored retirement plans. We've talked about 401k plans. 401k plans we love especially because your employer's got a match. And of course, you know, IRAs. IRAs are good too. And the only problem with maxing out um, and relying upon the the IRAs and, and even the, the 401ks is when you uh, retire or when you are ready to start taking money out, I should say, um, you've got to be of a certain age and you might not be, if you're going to fire, you might not be 59 and a half at that point. And you may, might not be able to um, access that money without a substantial penalty for early withdrawal. <laughs> uh, I, I, lately, I've just been kind of thinking more and more about Roth IRAs. What a deal. I wish I had a thought about that years ago. You know, with the, with the Roth IRA, you put in after-tax money. So you've already paid the tax, but then as it grows, it's tax-free. And I'm kind of liking that. Um, and you can dip into the Roth IRA and take money out up to the amount of your contribution uh, tax-free if you ever need to get to that money. And certainly there are limits on you know who qualifies and how much you can put into a Roth IRA. But um, I think that um, especially as, as now the investments have you know gone up over the years, 
um, the retirement accounts, I should say. I'd rather have a Roth IRA any day of the week than a than an IRA. Yeah, definitely. It's just more powerful. And and you know, you think about it. Back in the day, they were telling us, "Well, you want to maximize your IRAs because you don't want to pay taxes, and you're probably paying more tax now than you will later on in your life." True, true, and true. But to have access to your money tax-free is pretty nice, pretty nice. Number eight, invest the money that's left over. And, you know, once you've filled up your retirement accounts, then you're going to move on to some kind of a brokerage account, at least in my opinion. Savings accounts are, uh, you know, pay an awful low amount. And maybe you think about a, a brokerage account, you know, whether it's a Schwab or whether it's somewhere else. Um, not that you're necessarily going to buy an individual Stocks, you know, maybe you want to think about low cost index funds. Um, Index funds are all in one investments that uh, track a specific financial market and they're designed to help you diversify and and minimize your risk. I really like those kinds of retirement devices. Don't be an individual um, securities, it's too risky and and it takes time. If something happens, you can get wiped out. But if you've got a fund that somebody's put together and they're not taking a lot of money, a lot of these funds are computer programs almost at this point, something to, something certainly to think about. Number nine, consider, always consider what if, consider what if something in your plan goes wrong? What if, Uh, something happens and you're getting close to that and you have to go back to work or what if the economy tanks or what if something happens in the world unexpected some terrorist group does something and it starts to put a kibosh on the economy you always need to consider what if and and have a plan b Um, i don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about potential worst case scenarios but i think it's essential where you've got your livelihood on the line. And number 10, put your plan into action. You know, actually, once you've got this all laid out, if you're really going to pursue a fire path, put it into action and don't start tomorrow. Start today. Start pursuing that path right away. Now, not to the detriment, in my opinion, of the present. You don't need to go into a, live in a closet and, you know, drink water and, and eat cardboard. But uh, put the plan in place and still leave a little bit of the present to enjoy as well. I think that's one of the reasons that um, that we were so drawn to the topic of fire last year because the people who were being written about in the media were doing things that were probably more extreme than what we would have done. Weren't there people that were going through uh, restaurant trash? <laughs> that would be really, really extreme, right? <laughs> oh my goodness! I I hear that restaurants throw out a lot of good food. I mean, the waste or, is. Or was phenomenal. it grocery stores? I think it was grocery. Was it was stores. grocery stores yeah, that they were. Yeah, and uh, and looking for food. That that's really extreme. I'm. I'll, I'll go a couple steps higher. Um, you know, I'm still doing imperfect produce and 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 digging <laughs> it. Um, at least there, it's. It's good food. It's quality food. It might be ugly food. It's just ugly. (laughs) It's just ugly. You know, Uh, that potato looks like the backside of a bald guy's head or something. But um, that's that's one of the things that I like to do. And it forces us to make interesting and good tasting stuff at home and and enjoy that. And it becomes an entertainment, too. So um, those are the 10 things that I think that somebody needs to do if they're really going to pursue um, a fire path. But isn't that, the fire path is really just a more extreme version of everything that 
you've been talking about. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, really, um, a lot of this fire stuff talks about or feels like, you know, what we really try and promote here on TFWP. It's just that the fire path is so much more, um, you know, extreme. You know, I mean, I think someone could retire at, at 25 if, if they wanted to live in their parents' basement and, <laughs> and deliver newspapers, right? You'd have no overhead. You wouldn't need to travel. You'd have a bike. Um, although I don't even know if they do that anymore with newspapers. Isn't uh, well, that millennials. Millennials, I guess. But, you know, I, I think you're right. It is a TFW path, only much more, much more yeah, extreme. Yeah, to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. 10 ways to pursue the fire path. If you're up for it, get yourself in fighting shape and get going on that. This is Dave Hagan, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. We've got a handful of emails. Brian, why don't you hit me with a few? All right, Dave. Uh, here's the first one from Emily, and she writes in, uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on rent-to-own furniture stores or leasing furniture and electronics? Thanks, Emily. Well, Emily, here's what I think. I'm not a, I'm not a fan, um, and I'll tell you why. Um, first of all, we ought to be buying stuff for cash, we ought to be buying our stuff for cash. It makes us better consumers, and we're not going to be paying interest. Rent to own is really a way, a, a hidden way of financing the the acquisition of something. And I think if we're doing that, maybe we just shouldn't be acquiring that. Um, I think that it's a far better thing to you know uh, look on Craigslist or look on places like that for some really good deals on some really great stuff, and pay cash for that. Or if you've really got your, you know, your eye on that, that sofa, save up the money and, and go out and buy that sofa and just take the, take the depreciation on it, if you will. But really what these places are doing, and, and many times you'll find these places in less affluent parts of town, they are renting these items and then allowing you to purchase them at the end and, and applying the rental payments towards the purchase price. But the interest rate is really pretty high. And so not only would I not advise to, to buy something on time, but not to buy something on time with a, with a high interest rate. So many of the places where you want to buy things now, you know, I, I was going to say Sears, but I don't think they're around anymore. But some of these places... Um, you know, Best Buy or, or um, the furniture stores. I don't even know the names of the furniture stores any, anymore, but they all have their own um, credit card. And I guess if you're really going to do that, use their credit card. It's probably a lower interest rate than the rent to own. Uh, the rent to own, I think, is for people that um, have trouble with, with credit. So, you know, I'm not, really, I'm not really a fan. I remember back in the day, though, one of the first refrigerators that we ever bought was from a 
like a rent-to-own place. And they had some really good stuff that had come off of the, the term of the rent. And we were, we were, you know, looking through about 30, 40 refrigerators till we found one that was really good. We got like a nice refrigerator for 200 bucks. So, you know, those are people that decided not to buy it and, and gave it back. Hopefully their financial circumstance changed and uh, to the better where they d- didn't need to buy that item. And, and um, they were able to turn it back and maybe get exactly what they wanted. We were able to find a pretty good refrigerator for 200 bucks. I'm kind of cheap from time to time on stuff like that. And especially when we were uh, first putting our feet on the ground financially and it was a good place to, to go and buy. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not really... I'm not really a fan. I would kind of stay away from that, Emily. I don't know that that's what you wanted to hear, but I think that's what's going on there. And my advice would be to stay away from that. Uh, like I said, Craigslist, or if if you must, um, you know, um, um, finance it through a you know a store's credit card, or or best yet, yeah, pay cash, pay cash. Stay away from those places. All right. We got another uh, email, Brian? Yeah, we got one more here from Scott. Uh, Dave, the stock market recently closed at over 29000 What's going on? Love the podcast. Thanks. Well, let me tell you, I'm not going to get into investment advice because uh, um, I, that could cost me money. <laughs> People could say, you gave me bad advice. And I don't have an investment uh, licensure or anything like that. But... Uh, I'm not going to provide any investment advice, but how about some perspective? Here's some interesting things. We're in our, we're in our 10th year of economic recovery. Um, who would have thought that we would have 10 years of, um, good economic, um, um, performance, you know, and 10 years ago as a country, we were almost out of business and people were asking me, should I take my money out of the bank? And I was saying, well, do you think the government's going to fail? Because the government backs the banks, at least for the first um, portion of people's money. And they said, well, yeah, should I take my money out of the bank? The the fact that people thought that our economic uh, problems were so severe um, could have caused us to go deeper and deeper into problems. You know, the the average recovery is about eight years. And so we're really past what a normal average recovery might be. So maybe, maybe this recovery is a little long in the tooth, something for you to think about. Um, another thing, the market went up 28, 29% last year. I mean, that's a phenomenal year. That's just a, a great year. There's people skipping up and down Wall Street. Uh, but the average over you know 80 years or 90 years is maybe 12%. So you're not going to see 29% years uh, very often. The average is much less. And, in, and of course, in some years, there have been huge losses. Um, another thing to think about, election years are typically um, pretty good. You know, um, an existing government wants to stay in power. And so they, they do things to try and um, keep the economy good. You know, although the current president... It uh, doesn't seem to have a lot of sway on the current chairman of the Fed. In fact, it doesn't seem like they're even that friendly. So I don't know what could happen there. Uh, so there's no promises. But typically, election years tend to have pretty good economies, you know. 
So it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. I, who would have thought that the recovery would last this long? Who would have thought that we'd have a almost 30% um, um, increase in value last year, that the markets would go up. Um, who knows what's going to happen during this election year? But I think the best way to be protected with these kinds of things is is to have a well-diversified portfolio. And by that, I mean some index funds. Uh, maybe you've got some bonds. But have a well-diversified portfolio. And uh, especially if you're if you in in your middle years, a, a good diversified portfolio is good because if something bad happens, you've got some years to earn it back. Um, if you're in those years just coming up to retirement, well, maybe it's best to be a little more cash. Maybe it's best to have a little more risk. Um, those are the kinds of issues that you can talk to an investment counselor about. But the the rally is been phenomenal. It's been a great 10 years, uh, but how long it's going to go on is anybody's guess. I remember talking to a fella just not more than four months ago and he was saying, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming in November of 2019. And we all went, wow, it's going to fall in 2019, late 2019. Didn't happen. Didn't didn't happen. So uh, talk to your investment and counselor, um, have a well-diversified portfolio, and we will all sit back and just walk and watch in, in amazement as the market continues to do whatever it does. It's going to be Brian and, and Dave and Scott standing back and watching and going, wow, who would have thought whatever's going to happen? All right, that's a wrap. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about the skills that companies need most in 2020. We're going to talk about a, a new concept called soft skills, or at least a new concept to me. So we're going to talk about soft skills and hard skills. Should be interesting. That'll be next week on the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.